Welcome to the Gardens Podcast. This message titled The Nature of Sin was given by Darren Rounson on February 28, 2010. So uh, we were going to start our series on the seven deadly sins today, distortions of love. But, um, and we we're, were all prepared for that. But something happened this morning where uh, I was praying. And by the way, thanks for the morning service. It really messed up my schedule. Um, I have to wake up a lot earlier now, but it's cool. And uh, so we were, I was praying this morning, and I just felt, um, I heard God, however God speaks to you, but he spoke to me, kind of just a sense that he said the word Selah. Um, and uh, I, I was wrestling with it. I, I brought it to my wife. I actually woke my wife up early, and I said, what do you think? And she's like, I'm asleep. And uh, <laughs> I, called my, I called Brian, the worship leader, and I talked to a few uh, other leaders in this church, and we wanted to test this word because it, it meant something for us today. If you have a Bible, go to Psalm 46 in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there's some on the sides at the tables. Raise your hand if you want one. Pete and Sarah Britt are going to pass it out. Pete and Sarah Britt, give it up. Thank you. Psalm 46. I just want to read this because this will help you understand what's going to happen today. Um. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. Selah. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when, it, when the morning dawns. The nations are in uproar. The kingdoms totter. His, he, uh, he utters His voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations He has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations and I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. That word Selah means divine pause. It is a literary device or a music device that, was, uh, that David used to say, wait. And it was a divine space as he was sharing these, these uh, songs to wait on the Lord. And literally, the waiting period was to reflect on what God has done, what God is doing, and what he's going to do. So as we read that, he says, Selah, and you wait. And so I was praying for us today, and I uh, prepared to start a, a really great conversation on distortions of love. Um, Selah came up. And as a community, um, we have been growing and shifting and changing and, and moving so fast. We've been talking through the Sermon on the Mount, which you could spend years kind of breaking down and spending years talking about prayer, talking about anger, and we've been doing it week by week, and I've been talking to some of you, and you're like, man, I just got this thing on prayer, but now we're moving on over here. And it's just like this consistent moving, movement, movement forward. And I feel like today is just a day for us to say, Selah. Let's take a breath. 
before we jump into kind of the nature of sin and, and the seven deadly sins, which is a great conversation. I know it scares most of us, but let's just take a moment to be family. Does that sound good? Sound uh, refreshing? So we're going to have worship at the end of this, and then we're going to have a time of testimonies in just a little bit. But I thought uh, that today I would just kind of address you as um, just a guy and uh, share kind of our story briefly just to remember what God has done for our community, um, what God is doing for our community, what, he, what we're planning on doing with the Lord. So to begin, I just, uh, just take a moment, just relax. Um, we're going to have potluck after this, so st- stick around. We're going to be family. But I just want to share a few things. I want to share a little bit of our story, and we'll share some testimonies. So to begin, I, I just want to say what's helpful is just to understand what the church is. What is the church? What is the church? Well, it's the, simply it's just a gathering of God's people with the proclamation that Jesus is Lord. So wherever people are gathered and proclaim Jesus as Christ, you see the body of Christ there. Now, as you break down the church, what's essential for it to be a church versus a nonprofit or versus um, uh, just a prayer gathering? Well, what happens in a church is that there's disciple-making going on. People are becoming more and more like Jesus. Um, there's also worship. And you can worship through song. You, should, you can worship through testimony, through giving. So many different ways, but you experience some form of worship. And with worship, there's this ongoing relationship with the people within the community, um, with, with themselves, and God. There's, there's this loving relationship with our Creator, God. Um, there's also mission. What sets everything else apart is that as a church, as the collective body of Christ, we are simply the, now the agents of God's mission. What does that mean? Well, God's been in, in the work, and we'll look at this next week now, Genesis 3, of redeeming, restoring, renewing, and reconciling all of creation, humanity, but all of creation to Himself. And Jesus becomes the focal point of that, where he embodies that. But eventually, it's commissioned to the church, where now the church, those that say yes to Jesus, are now continuing the mission of God on earth. That sets the church apart. But also, there's this thing called fellowship. Fellowship is not a clever word for, oh, it's cool community. Fellowship is spirit-led mission groups. It's something that happens uniquely, where the spirit empowers a community to have a sense of unity. That's what fellowship is. You don't necessarily experience fellowship when you go to church on Sunday, not all the time. But that's, a, that's an essential ingredient to what it means to be the church. So, so when I speak of the church, we've got to remember what it's not. The church is not primarily a building. The church is not just what happens here on Sunday. Or, or even an institution that has a 501c3 and a nonprofit and mission, vision, values. That's not the church primarily. It's the gathering of God's people that proclaim Jesus, that live on mission, that disciple, that worship, and that experience fellowship. So our small groups are those places. And I know that's maybe shocking for some of you, but, but that's what the New Testament teaches. And so from the beginning, to share our story, we set out, and I won't do this too long, but hopefully it's, it's, it's helpful because we have grown a lot. We have two services. Last week we had more people at the night service than the morning service. And the numbers are growing. Um, but the danger of numbers is that we lose the intimacy. And this is why I'm having the Selah tonight. I feel like God said this, or I feel this kind of sense that I pray for our church often. 
And I pray that our, our, our church doesn't, doesn't outgrow the mission we have. I pray that our church doesn't outgrow the mission that we have. And so just to be open today, I fear that as we continue to grow, and guys, I think we're going to even double before we get to October. I'll, I'll share some things that God's doing in, our, in numbers. But my fear is that we will just be the next attractional church, the next best thing. So we set out almost two years ago in May. Um, to, we did something called the Long Beach Project, where we, we tried to gather as many people from Rock Harbor Church that were in communities to see this city as a mission field. To say, what would it look like to experiment in being a missional community where we would gather to pray for the city, to pray for the needs of one another. We would gather for mission. We would gather to serve at, res- at the rescue mission at the Padua House. We would do beach cleanups together. We would serve. And we gathered once a month to do this. To join together and celebrate what God was doing. To share testimonies. To hear a message. To sing some songs. And just connect as a bigger group. We did that for four months. And it was amazing. For those of us that were a part of it, we can remember it was, it was horrible. And it was amazing. <laughs> We were, in, we were in the dirty buildings and, and sm- smashed with these tiny rooms with pews that shouldn't be in there. And uh, we just went around praying. And we went around uh, blessing the community and just blessing what, what the Father was already doing. And we, we, we lived on mission together for summer. And my wife and I were, were struggling. Do we plant a church? And inevitably, we moved here. We, planted, we wanted to plant a church. And in February last year, we started meeting weekly. And for the first time of an eight-month project, we said, hey, we're actually going to try to build a church. Because before, we, were, we had no intentions of building a church, or of separating from Rock Harbor. But as I learned that church planning is the most effective, effective way to minister to lost people or unchurched people, and it's the most effective way to raise up new leaders, I said, we have to do that. And it's been, it's been a crazy journey. But we started meeting weekly um, in February. And we met at 4th and Elm at the First Christian Church building. How many of you have been there before? Raise the hands. Do you guys remember this? I mean, during the summer last year, we had like eight fans oscillating because it was 80 degrees in the downstairs basement. We had a corded mic, so you would see me constantly trip over myself and knock waters over. And it was just a small basement room. But here's what's so, so cool about it. The people that would come wanted to be there. There was nothing classy about it, except that the mission was what we were gathered around. There was nothing, I mean, it was, it was a mess. It was a mess. We had to figure out how to do worship and teach and, and what's hospitality like. We would get people coming in off the streets. I mean, I remember one story, it was so funny. I, there's this large man in the back, he was homeless, and he's waving at me while I'm teaching. I'm like, gosh, this is annoying. He's trying to distract me. Finally, like, after I'm done, I, I managed to ignore him. I walk over to the back. And I said, what's up? He's like, well, I just want to accept Jesus. And there was, I'm like, whoa, was not expecting that. <laughs> or you'd have people come in and just really freak you out, um, try to throw potions on the stage, which was one, one experience. But it was amazing. It was amazing. Because it was our journey. It was us being our community. But the mission wasn't for us to remain small at all. In fact, the numbers here is that there's almost half a million people in the city. And I think the statistic is less than 15% know God, or at least practice their faith. That's a huge mission field. So we, uh, we continued doing that, and uh, 
through, despite it all, we kind of grew. We had probably 75 people before we launched, and we launched publicly out of Rock Harbor in October. And at that point, we moved here, and we immediately grew as a community, grew in numbers. Um, and we faced our first problem. How do, we, how do we get more people in life groups? How do we facilitate this stuff? We had a, a sound system that actually sounds good. We had wireless mics. I mean, all these things that you take for granted. But the thing was this. We were doing it as volunteers, most of us. I'm, I'm the only paid staff person, and Scott Maloney's part-time. We've been doing this as volunteers. This is a volunteer-led church. This whole community is led by volunteers. The worship teams that sacrifice a whole Sunday. All the people that come early. We have Billy and Larry coming here at 7 a.m. to set up these things, the sound system and the, and the, the, the projector and stuff. They're volunteers. So we moved here, and we faced a whole new set of problems, but it was amazing. We, we started experiencing uh, more favor downtown, favor with, with this community, and, and obviously God was blessing our ministry, um, and, and we had to figure out how do we keep our DNA? How do we keep that, that mission DNA, that, that heart for discipleship and community as we grow? Every, every church that grows tremendously, grows uh, quickly, has to struggle with this. Have to figure it out. And so, like I said earlier, I don't want our church to outgrow the mission. And so here's what I want to say for our Selah. Here's what we're about at the garden. And I think maybe we might confuse some of you because we do Sundays now better than we used to. It's not as um, dirty in here. There's air conditioning. There are things that make it very comfortable for us. And, and as much as they're comfortable, they're, you can go to a large church and experience a lot more comfort. You could actually have a children's room that doesn't have to have air purifiers because of the smoke. You could have uh, more children in the children's ministry. That's a sacrifice for a lot of our parents. There's only a few kids in there. Or the parking situation, trying to figure out, hey, do I, do I stay a little longer? I'm going to pay $2 for validation if I stay a little longer. Here's what we're about. We're about mission. What that means is we're about evangelism to the city. We're about living out our faith outside of the Cohiba nightclub. Unless you're coming during the week, and that's fine. You can do it here. We're about mission. We're about building community gardens all over the city. We're about having life groups that come together and pray for the city and go out and serve the city. We're, we're about individuals that say, hey, I'm really passionate about maybe doing some type of laundry ministry where we can get homeless guys to come and wash the laundry for free once a week. We're about empowering that type of mission. And all we want to be is a resource and simply a mobilizing strategist, mobilizing community that bases it on mission. The, the truth is this, a missional church is a church that reorients its thinking around what God is doing in the world, not in a location, in the world. Guys, you could just walk a block over that way to Lincoln Park and see a, dozens and dozens of homeless men and women. And we want to train you to, how to, to, to figure out how to really minister to them. Because you know what? Sometimes the best thing is not going and giving food over there. In fact, you'll get a ticket in Long Beach. I don't know if you know that. But we put things on like the homeless assistance training where we want to equip this community to say, I know how to minister to the homeless community that is numbering in, in, in thousands here in the city. We want you guys to know the needs of the city and how to effectively minister to them. We want to be a part of a bigger movement other than this local church. 
We're about mission. We're about sharing our faith and bringing people to know Jesus. And if, if this is your first time, I'm not, I'm not talking down on you. I'm just passionate about this. And I think I'm just speaking at, to the choir. This is what we're about. I'm just reminding us. Let's breathe it in. We're, you know what else we're about? We're, we're about em, empowerment through the Holy Spirit. We want to be empowered as a community to be led by the Holy Spirit. So sometimes God speaks to individuals and we call people to prayer. Sometimes uh, we're preparing a message and after hours of work on it, God's like, nope, next week. Sometimes, like last Sunday night, God just does something crazy. We, we're not expecting it. And we have this radical demonstration of God's power in the gathering. We had 40 people probably come forward to receive prayer and just see healing, anxiety. I got emails last week. I was healed from anxiety, from fear. From fr- I, was, I experienced freedom. That's through the Spirit. And we want to train you how to live in the Spirit as a community. How you can, you can walk to the man because you're, you're, you're only doing what the Father is doing. And you can say to the guy on the street, pick up your mat and walk. And he walks. That's the faith we want to have at this community. And I know most of us sit here and we doubt, but that faith isn't built on spectating. It's built on participating. Amen? No, we're also about following Jesus as disciples. That means our lives are being transformed in the likeness of Jesus Christ. We're working out our sin. We're working out our righteousness. It's all the Sermon on the Mount stuff. But not only that, but we're intentionally discipling. Matthew 28 says, make disciples of all nations. Baptize them. Immerse them in the Trinitarian reality. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That call was not to a church. Believe it or not. That call was to anyone that would say, I believe in you, Jesus. And, you know, my salvation is built on that faith. That call was for every single one of you that has raised your hand at some points, prayed the prayer, and has has accepted Jesus Christ. So my question tonight, to this morning, how many of you have disciples? I love it. Raises her hand. Awesome. How many of you are intentionally discipling? We can do a lot of unintentional discipleship. How many of us are, are discipling? And the question for you is, okay, if you don't have a disciple, a disciple, here's the next question. Um, do you think your life is worthy of following? Because Paul will say you're holy, so be holy. He'll say you're righteous, you're a saint. So what do you need to overcome to become a disciple? Well, I think you need to overcome yourself. And the third question about discipleship is do you think, if you're not doing it, maybe some of you think that there's another way, that there's a better model. And if that's the case, you're thinking that Jesus' model wasn't the best. So for us, we have to ask the question, are we discipling? Now, that's one thing that we're about. And we'll talk more about that later. But the other thing, just to say, we're about intimate fellowship. We want to be family. The word uh, Paul uses to talk to churches is oikos, household. To the church or to the uh, to so and so's household, to so and so's oikos, it's this idea of intimate community. We're not just meeting strategically to have prayer nights or, or or church on Sundays, but we're sharing life together. What does it look like to open our homes to share life? That's what we want to be about. So we do potlucks. So that's who we are. 
we've been all over the city. God's done some amazing miracles for us. We're growing um, in so many ways. We have 17 life groups. Um, we're, we're officially becoming our own church as far as all the legal side. By July, we'll be completely separate from Rock Harbor. We sustain everything we do. Um, we're looking at possible missional partnerships. Um, there's a lot of things going on. We gave, I think it was around $2,000 to Haiti from one offering. It's amazing from this community. There was, I think, maybe 150 at that service, so that's tremendous. And we're continuing um, to see favor from other organizations. I, can, I can't tell you how many other churches, church plants that I talk to, and other organizations that just see God's given us favor in the downtown city, the downtown city of Long Beach. This is the first district, and we're in it. But here's what we're, where we're going, just to give you guys some freedom um, to know where we're kind of leading. And it's more practical stuff. Uh, obviously, there's a lot more of us. So we need, some, we need some education and training. We're planning on doing some classes um, at least once a month for a few hours. We'll have Bill and myself, other leaders, to train us in a variety of topics. Uh, we're going to be doing that pretty soon, probably after Easter. But we want to first start off by training us in prayer, how to listen to God's voice how to effectively pray for one another and how to just sit with God and, and have that interrelationship with Him. We want to te- teach everyone on the Holy Spirit. What's our theology on the Holy Spirit? How can we develop a healthy theology that's practical, that we can practice? Uh, we, uh, we also want to just raise up leaders. I, I really believe that when God sent us out, we're going to be a church planning church. So we're not interested in building a bigger building, big, bigger services. We want to send people out. We want to send them to different areas where we see pockets of communities already forming. Maybe more in Long Beach, maybe in other locations. That would be amazing. Um, we, we want to develop a discipleship helpful track. Not a track. We want to figure out discipleship together. We don't really know what it looks like right now. We have some ideas. But I, I just ask you to be, be thinking towards that, praying towards that. What does it look like for us to be a disciple-making community? How do we have that as our intentional way of living that we just disciple naturally? We also want to be about missional communities. We want to be about, be about communities that focus on mission. Not just about intentional community. That's great, but on mission. That's kind of where we're at. And I just wanted to share that. So I hope that connects a lot of you. Um, in a couple weeks, I think next week, we're going to talk about our financial place, where we're at financially. We'll have our, our um, financial advisor here to do that. And uh, we, we're probably going to do, we're going to do some just uh, lunch stuff where we can introduce you to people that are in ministry here. We have a large leadership community. Um, and I just want to say that if you uh, are here and you're not in a life group, get in one. It's a great place to get involved. But also, I feel like we're at a place where our leaders are pretty maxed out. These are the guys that have been here all along. They're leading life groups. They're leading on the elder team. They're leading by setting up and tearing down. They're, they're leading through all these various ministries, and they're, they're feeling the weight. We need new leaders. And what that means is we need new people just coming here early to set up. We had a whole life group come and set up. It was great. We need new people here in the church serving this community. That's part of what it means to be the church, to serve one another. We need new people thinking outside. What we, how can we impact this city? This will not continue to grow unless we are using our gifts, our, our stories, and writing a new story for this church. Every, every time someone new comes here, it changes, the, 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 it changes our core. It changes who we are because we're built on each other. Does that, does that sound good? So just if you, if you have time, volunteer, serve. Go outside and, and meet the needs of the city. But we need your help. And finally... <clears throat> uh, I really believe that God's going to grow our community. And, and I say this because 
um, we have such favor in this downtown, this downtown area. I mean, we meet in this nightclub, and we have it all day Sunday. We don't pay a lot for it. We get to store our stuff here. We get to store our stuff downstairs. It's amazing. Churches would love to have this as an opportunity. We just have it as a gift. In fact, churches used to try to get in here, and they would never let them. Somehow we got in. God's given us this place. And not only that, there's not a lot of great, successful churches right now on the downtown coast. There are some, but nothing thriving, nothing beginning to to see movement. So churches I've been talking to are praying for our success and that we would preach the gospel and more and more people would come to faith. And that doesn't mean just preaching from the stage, but in 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 our homes, over dinner tables, over meals, in our life groups, that people are coming to faith. We're going to do Easter. Awesome, right? I wanted to share this with you. Easter is the day that changed everything. Do you realize that Easter is the day that we actually pop champagne, that we pull out the the flags, that we run up and down the streets and we say, He is risen, and He is risen indeed. Easter is the Christian story. It's our story to tell. It's where we proclaim the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what's interesting. More people go to church on Easter Sunday than any other day in the entire year. Look at where we're set up. So here's what, I'm, what we're thinking. We're going to have a big Easter event. Right now, we have a facility locked for about 500 people. We have about 240 here last week, and we'll probably have more this week. And from our meetings on Easter, we really don't feel like that 500 is big enough. Especially if everyone just invited one person, that's already there. Not, not to mention just trying to go out to the, the, just the, the apartment complexes and say, let's bring people that don't know Jesus to faith through an event where we celebrate the greatest day of all time. So we're going to do an Easter event. And actually we're looking at another venue and we're praying. Um, and you guys can all pray for it. We're hoping to get um, some type of ballroom in a big hotel downtown um, that would fit maybe six to 800 people. We're not about big events, but we're about proclaiming the gospel. Amen? So here's our story, or here's what we need. We need our whole church to wrap around this. We're going to need volunteers. We're going to need your support in communicating to friends, but more importantly, the people that don't know Jesus, and just the day of. And we'll let you know probably next week or in, another, uh, in two weeks what that means. But I want you guys to begin to pray as a family would pray for big events. Begin to just see each other as family. So we want to pray for that event. How does that sound? What would it look like for us to just have 800 people and hundreds come to faith? I I think that's amazing. I really do. And so I asked for uh, music to go while while that time happens. Just kidding. It's okay. So um, that's what I wanted to share tonight, or this morning. I keep saying that. But we want to have a little bit of room for testimony. And, and is this okay that we take this pause? Are you guys with us? I know a lot of you want the message, and that's what you come to hear. But we've got to be family. Sometimes we share stories. So we're going to share some stories. Um, here's the rule. Uh, can't go longer than 45 seconds. Right? You have a lot of stories, I bet. Uh, the second thing is if I touch your back, that means, hey, time's up. Not, <laughs> unless you're crying, then I'm consoling you, uh, which could happen. Um, uh, I'm going to hold the microphone so you don't go walking away and start preaching to, towards us. And remember this, the testimonies and stories we're looking for is what is God doing? This, the theme should be God in your life. Not you necessarily. It could, it could be with you, but just God. It's about God. How does it point to God? And so we've got to become good storytellers. Um, but one more. I'm going to read Revelation really quick. Um, 
If you have a Bible, you can flip there. Revelation 19. Revelation 19. There's this great line that I just wanted to read over us. It's verse uh, 10. And it's the second part, but it's kind of describing something. It says, Then I fell down at the feet to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your comrades um, who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, he says, for the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. The testimonies we share is a spirit of prophecy. All right, so I'm just going to have you guys come forward, spend a few minutes here. We'll close in prayer and we'll begin to worship and have potluck. All right, so if you have a story, come on down. Why don't you start a line right here? And uh, just, we're talking quick stories. Come on over. I'll hold it, yeah. Okay. Um, about a little over a year and a half ago, God, I felt a very clear calling from God to start doing addiction interventions. I'm a certified drug and alcohol counselor and didn't come out of nowhere, but it did as far as intervention went. And without getting into all the details, because it would take a lot longer than 45 seconds, what God has done in the last year is nothing short of miraculous. Mm-hmm. And I can honestly say a year, ago, a year and a month ago, we did not know where rent for the 1st of February was coming from. Christmas was all homemade. It was just, we were pretty scared. And we've been pretty desolate before, but this was the worst. Mm-hmm. And this, just this week, I was offered a position with a treatment center in Utah, Very marketing. Um, I've actually done really well financially in the last year. That's been a gift in itself. But just where it came to today is this new position is going to create avenues for us that our family could have never imagined. And the message I want to give in that is that this whole Selah thing is that what God taught me in this last year, and I've been a Christian for 45 years, but there was something different about this last year and what he taught me, and that was in waiting on him. In intervention, it's all about waiting for the next job to come, letting it unfold. Even when you're in the middle of the intervention, it's all about letting God just speak and let the whole thing unfold. And I learned through that process how to let him unfold my life and our finances and everything else. And so I, if anything I can offer is that I, for those of you who are struggling, and in this economy it seems like so many people are, there's true hope. And it comes in trusting God and being grateful for what you do have and not focusing on what we don't have and knowing that he's going to provide. Thank you. Thank you, BJ. Right, Jake. Cool. I'm gonna hold it. All right. <laughs> I saw you get excited. Yeah. Click it off in five minutes. Uh, no, I want to talk about our life group for a little bit and just like our Friday nighters. Um, how God brought this thing together. I'm gonna go ahead, take around. it. Yeah, you Sorry. can. It's not Still working. Uh, anyways, uh, back in December, my wife goes to school four nights a week, and she said, "I really want to be in a life group." And Scott has life groups on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I was like, "Well, I don't know. Good luck. You know, it's it'll be tough. You know, we'll have to lead it and." Mm. It's mostly, as we look at it, we see mostly a young, single church. And I was like, Friday night, that's like the coveted night. Good luck. And so I, we approached Scott, and Scott kind of said the same thing. Good luck. I'll throw it out there. We'll see what's going on. And about the next week in December, he says, I, got, I found a guy. He's in uh, Santa Barbara. He goes to school four nights a week, but he drives down, and he's willing to do it with his, his girlfriend that might come. So I was like, all right, give me his email. And so we, we emailed and uh, connected, and I kind of put it off, and I said, well, it's going to be the three of us, and let's do it January 1st, you know, and so then literally, guys, in the next two to three weeks, we used the 10-minute the time where you, you go out and talk to everybody and get coffee and stuff. And we just turned around to people, and I said, are you guys in a life group? And they're like, no, we go to school on Monday through Thursday. And um, 
I'll start crying. But anyways, it's crazy. So we turned around and we have like 14 people wow. in our life group. Wow. They're all just pumped. And then last week, I didn't know there's a word for it, but we took a sailor last Friday night. And we were, we were just going and going like on, on, the, on the curriculum and everything. <laughs> and we have a guy in our group or a, a person in our group. And he celebrated six months of sobriety. Amazing. Anyways, I don't, I don't want to embarrass him, but he, he, he's, he wanted to celebrate. He said, I'm getting my chip. And I said, we're stopping. And so little Joshua, our three-year-old boy, made cupcakes. And we had the whole night. We had dinner together. And oh, uh, it was awesome. We just amazing. stopped. We had community. And that's what it's about. Thanks, that's God. what this church is about. Yeah. It's getting into one of those 17 or 20 yeah. or 30 life groups that we're going to have. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you can do it on Friday or Saturday nights or Sunday mornings. Who knows? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Thanks, Jake. <laughs> Kevin. What's up, brother? Hi, my name is Kevin, and uh, I guess I'm the one that we were just talking about. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, um, it's been an amazing journey for me. Just uh, six months ago, I was in a, a sexually uh, or a sinful relationship with a girl, and um, was uh, drinking and smoking weed and just uh, escaping life, and um, I was just totally a miserable person and uh, I just was depressed all the time and I hated my life and I didn't even really want to be on the planet anymore honestly um, and you know God just intervened and um, you know one of the things I wanted to share with you guys is just that um, learning that I can't do it on my own strength and just trusting God and totally giving up and totally surrendering has been the total answer for me of all the deliverance that I've experienced and uh, being involved in life group and having support, I'm involved in two different uh, recovery ministries right now. And um, God's doing amazing stuff. And um, what spiraled me into all this was uh, really deep wounds that I had from growing up um, and stuff that I just didn't ever, ever face or deal with. And those, those wounds is what drove me into that uh, mm-hmm. pleasure-seeking lifestyle where I was a very selfish person, very yeah. self-seeking person. And I was always trying to medicate my own pain with anything I could find that would do the trick at the moment. It didn't matter what it was. And, um, and so now I'm learning that God can heal those wounds. And That's when I right. come to church, like the last six months, almost every time I come, I'm crying, I'm laughing, I'm, God's healing me. Mm. I'm getting involved in an inner healing ministry right now where we're learning how to, how to invite God to do that. And so um, I want to let you guys know if you, if you yourself are struggling with any kind of addiction, or if you know anybody who's having that problem and that struggle of any kind, um, please talk to me or Darren and, and let us know. We have a meeting that's kind of unofficially meeting right now, so we can plug you in and, and give you some help. So awesome. thanks. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah. 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 yeah, we do have a refuge ministry that's on Wednesday nights. So if you're in- interested, just email refuge at the Garden LB and we'll get you connected. Any other stories, testimonies? All right, a few of them. Uh, all right. <laughs> You're older than I am. Yeah. Oh. Uh, my wife shared first, and she said that her business came out of, well, it came out from me. I'm a recovering alcoholic addict, and uh, I wanted to stay consistent with the theme that um, family is, uh, starts with God, and it starts with my family that, that they're here. And it's amazing to watch even my own struggles through the year that uh, years that God uh, brought um, healing into our family and, and uh, hope into our family, even through my 
self-centered, um, selfish uh, behavior through addiction. And the thing that I love about being with this family is just uh, just the love. I mean, God, it's just a young crowd, and my wife and I just moved to Long Beach from Huntington Beach. And um, that, that in itself is a miracle. There's been mm -hmm. such a draw the last year for us to be in Long Beach, and that was strictly a God thing. Mm -hmm. And when I walk in the room here, I just, just the young, just how open people are with love. Yeah. And uh, the thing that today that I do every day is I list 10 things that I'm grateful for. Mm -hmm. And I have to because I'm very selfish. And um, wow. no comment. And, um, and I am grateful, and at the top of the list today is God and, and my family and this family. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you so much. That's it? Yeah, you don't need it. Um, first, I have a disclaimer that everything that happens in our family on hospitality or giving ourselves away all has to do with my wife. She is, you know, unbelievable. She has taught me and our family, my daughters, and those around us how to give ourselves away unconditionally, never thinking of ourselves. So back to Lincoln Park, my daughter used to go, who now has three foster children that she's adopted, okay, and she comes here. She used to go to Lincoln Park and make sandwiches and uh, give them out to people. She met, we call her Grandma Betty. Grandma Betty was about seven, she's about in her early 80s now, but she was there sleeping on benches, and Sarah met her, and she just came by a hard times uh, lost her job and for about two years was sleeping on a bench there and these big old guys would sleep around her and kind of keep her safe and so my daughter got my daughter got to talking with her and you know said you know what you shouldn't be here you should just come to our house and because of the role model my wife's been about she's brought in so many people okay she's got met people in McDonald's that were homeless said oh come on to our house so we've just had numerous people coming in, but Grandma Betty came with us and lived for two years at our house, and uh, God really did a work in her life, and she now lives in assisted living here. We've got her own little place, little place. She loves it. She's very independent, but it's just giving our lives away, and so I praise God for my wife who yeah. set an example for our family yeah. on what we're supposed to do missionally, yeah. as you said. Praise God. Awesome. Thanks, Greg. All right, we'll just have these two more, and then we'll go into worship. Sarah, come on. Sarah Britt, one okay. word. What? One word. One, one word. Okay. Um, no, Sarah no. Britt, one word. Oh, yeah, yeah no. Sorry, I, I was yeah. helping you. It's going to be weird. Anyways, okay, I really didn't want to come up here, but um, I know God's kind of been tugging at my heart that I went to, um, Rock, I'm trying to think of our mother church. Rock Harbor. Thank you. Yeah. The Shark Club, that's what um, so I went to the Shark Club every week and uh, kind of snuck in a little late, sat in the back, and left and never really met anyone or whatever. And church was mostly for me. And so um, anyways, God's just kind of hit me on the face when um, the Long Beach Project started and just was like, hey, you know, it's not about you anymore. And, um, and I came and I was just like, I don't know. I don't know about you know, the music or this, or I don't like this, or whatever it was. And it was just like, no, Sarah, like, you're called here, you live here. And if you don't like something, or if there's something not there, then you need to do it. And you need to fill that spot. And I'm just like challenging everyone that's here that if you're coming to church, and it's so easy to just come and, and get what you want out of it. And, um, but man, God just like changes you once you um, just release that. So, Thank you, so much. Serve, so. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.
are there? She's in my life group. Um, my name is Rachel, and this summer will be um, the eighth uh, year that I've lived in Long Beach. And um, I love the city. Love, love, love it. And I remember um, several years ago coming home from a trip and um, flying into LAX or, and uh, driving home, and I was, like, so excited to be home. It was this very, like, adult moment for me, you know, like that my parents' house is not my house anymore. And I was like, oh, it's so good to be home. And I've just loved Long Beach for all these eight years. And um, I'm just really thankful for this opportunity to love the city in a totally different way, you know? So um, I'm really thankful for this church, and I'm super excited to get involved and see all these people that live in the city that I love and love God just like I do. And um, so, yeah, I'm excited. Thank you so much. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, let's give it up for everyone that shared. Um, we're going to have the worship band come forward, so come on up, guys. Uh, we, we have to fight for intimacy. We just have to fight for it. And so that means taking pauses on Sundays and fighting for it. Get to know the people um, during the potluck time that you don't normally hang out with. This is, uh, this is what it means to be in God's community, to hear stories that we as a community celebrate with Kevin for six months of sobriety. It's amazing. We celebrate with, with these achievements that people have had because they're our story too. And what we also got to remember is that unless we're, we're learning to tell our stories, um, we're, we're, we're missing a part of our faith because that's the storytelling. It's how people come to faith most of the time. So uh, let me pray for us, and we're just going to continue to worship, and then we'll have potluck. Lord, I thank you for what's going on uh, for this pause, just to remember who you are, to remember what you've done, what you do, and what you will continue to do. Lord, I thank you for just the, the, the stories of, of praise, God, of, of, of sobriety, of provision, of a new identity. Lord, how you challenge us to to, to, to be moved outside of our comfort zones to a bigger world, to your kingdom, God. Would, would we focus now on your kingdom? May we pause to just rest in who you are and who we are in your eyes. So Lord, as we worship today, I pray um, that we would just continue to worship in, in celebration and praise, that you'd help us remember our stories because they're your stories. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear other messages from The Garden, or would like to find out more about The Garden Church, please visit us on the web at thegardenlb.org.